should go again for another one. <laughs> oh, how is everyone? I, I heard a story um, about a, a guy named Jeff that when he was born he had no arms and no legs. No torso, it's just a head. And a friend of his took him to the pub and um, this was because he only just turned 18 it was going to be his first sip of beer ever. And he took a sip of beer and as he took a sip of beer, pop, his torso appeared. And everyone in the bar couldn't believe what was going on and his friend goes, listen, Jeff, you need to have another sip. Takes another sip, bang, his, his arms appear. It's like, this is a miracle, have another sip. Has another sip of beer, first time ever. And bang, his legs are there. Everyone's astonished. He runs out screaming. Oh, look at me. I can run. I can walk. I can run. And as he crosses the road, this bus comes bang, dead. The bartender from inside yells out, you should have quit while you're ahead. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> True story. <laughs> um, yeah, he's back. He's back. <laughs> Yeah, I've been working on that for a year. <laughs> um, it's actually really lovely to be back. I want to thank the church for, you know, I mean, you know, we, we get our leave and all that sort of stuff, but in the 12 years that I've been here, I've never, Mel and I have never taken four weeks, you know, in a row. This was the first time. Um, I was saying to someone this morning, I don't know why I haven't done this sooner. Like, like it was so lovely. But I want to thank you to everyone who actually stepped up and stepped in. And for those that, because of, because of something that should have been there anyway, people are able to step in and use gifts that they've got, you know. Because the house is not relying upon one or two people, is it? It's not just those that are leadership, eldership, deacons, deacons possessed, board, it's, it's the whole... Family, so it was really lovely being able to go and know that the house was in God's hands, and you know. So thank you, thank you for those that have been praying for us, those that have been praying for my wife. Thank you, because for those that don't know or haven't been on the journey, she has been diagnosed that she's in burnout. So she's emotionally and spiritually exhausted, depleted. So she has days where she's full of energy, days where she has no energy, days where life is a breeze, and other days where life actually just brings a lot of anxiety. It's just this roller coaster ride as God restores her. But we do certainly believe and we're holding on to a word that we had from Gary Morgan recently when he was here, you know, a month or so ago, that this season that Mel's in is going to reshape her for the ministry that God has for her in this place. Yeah, so we don't know what that's going to look like. We don't know what that journey's like, but I thank you for giving us the space to be able to navigate that because as you navigate it, we as a family are navigating it as well. You know, so there are things that I say that apparently seem right to me, but Mel tells me they're not. <laughs> like, you know, it's just a typical husband-wife thing, isn't it? The man's always wrong, even when he's right. So, oh, no, did I say that? Oh, yes, he's back. <laughs> But thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. One of the things that is most precious and that I really enjoyed this morning, I, I've enjoyed the worship, you know, watching on the stream and those that do watch it on the stream, thank you. But there's something so very dear to my heart being in the house with others that bring their worship to the house. You know, the, for me, the tangible presence of God in my home is, is wonderful. But here it's just as wonderful and different. You know, it is just different to be able to sit and feel the presence of God move, to be moved even in my own emotion, you know, to, to know that really without him I'm not worthy. You know, I'm not, you're not, we're not. But he finds us worthy, like totally finds us worthy. And so this is a lovely season where we move towards Good Friday and you know, Easter Sunday, and we celebrate, you know, obviously today, you know, Psalm, uh, Psalm Sunday, where, where Palm, thank you. It's all right. I've just, I'm getting back into the church thing. I've been unchurched for four weeks. Dealing with kids, you know what it's like. Yeah, parents, you know what it's like dealing with children, don't you? You don't want me to talk about that, Sam, do you? No, I didn't think so. Okay, don't correct me again. Anyway, so <laughs> I've got the mic. You know, you sort of wield the power. But, yeah, Palm Sunday. So, you know, really, it, it's the declaration of victory, the entrance 
you know, where you walk in and, and the king's walking and, you know, little did they know that he was about to be crucified. But for us, for you and I, this is the time and season with his birth. I mean, it should be every day, but where we just say, wow, what a God. What a phenomenal, awesome, wonderful God. You know, that he would actually march into his destiny of death and resurrection so to restore us as family. One of the things that I love about being here is that we're family. He's our father, yes? He's our father and he, because of that death and resurrection, we are his children. So that means if we're his children and he's our dad, you and I, we're brothers and sisters. So even if you don't like someone, bad luck, they're your brother and sister, you know? Whether you like their hair, don't like their hair, like what they wear, don't like what they wear, they're your brother or sister. And when you and I, when we, when we actually get together, particularly here, this is his house, but it's our home, and we're one family, and when we come together, our spirits, they testify, they connect. You know, we have this wonderful time together because we have the one Father. We have this point of connection. And having listened to the, the wonderful sermons over the last few weeks, it doesn't matter whether we're living in victory, whether we're living in defeat, whether we're living under attack. He's still our Father. That doesn't change. That's like that's concrete. That's, that's not changing. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. Amen? You know, I love the fact that John 1.13, because I'm just going to jump straight in, it says that we're children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. I love that. So we've become children born of nat not of natural descent or human decision. So God doesn't just decide to make love somehow and then all of a sudden, whoopsie, pregnant, children. Right, it doesn't work that way. works that way in the world. Yeah, People come together, whoop, forgot the contraception, bang, child. It wasn't a mistake. God doesn't work that way. Yeah, He doesn't work that way. It, it, it doesn't happen because the husband comes home and he says to his wife, hey, it's that time of year again, let's go to the bedroom. Like it doesn't work that way. God actually loves us. Yeah? Loves us. We have become children of God, born of him. I mean, that is, that's really exciting. So you and I now, that means our spirits are alive. In other words, it doesn't matter how shaped your week's been. You have, I have no excuse not to praise him because my spirit is alive in him. It's been made alive by him. It's been such a terrible week. You don't know what I've gone through. This person died. This person died. This bill came. My car crashed. This, my heart, house exploded. Life can be tough, but our spirit is still alive in him. Yeah? It just depends what side of the fence that you want to live on, that you and I want to live on. We've been made alive by him. Yes, we're spiritual beings, but we are in a, in a physical body. Now, we've become alive in him. God's children, brothers and sisters. You know, that's why you can spend time... You ever notice you can spend time with a brother or sister and you don't even have to talk about God. You just have a barbecue, coffee, tea, whatever it might be. And after that hour, two hours, three hours, four hours, whatever it is, that day, you actually go away, you actually, well, what a, that was, what a day. That was, or what a time, that was a lovely time. I actually feel energised, I feel encouraged. It was so good to spend time with that person. You can spend time with a non-believer, have the best time in your life, and half an hour later, there's still a hunger that needs to be fed because it's like eating Maccas. You know, you take your kids to Maccas, you eat, you're full, you come home 40 minutes later, it's like, man, I need to, I need to eat something. Yeah? When, when you and I spend time with non-believers, and we've got to do that because we have to be the light in a broken world, but don't expect that time to fill you. Your spirits are not connecting. They're not testifying to each other. That, that, that's not how it works. You're there to be an example, to lead someone to God. But when you spend time with one another, even with those that you're not really, you know, you don't, you're not kosher with, they like soccer, you like football. You know, they like politics, you hate politics. You vote liberal, they vote labour. You know, whatever it might be, all of those wacky things, you know. They like Pauline Hanson. You don't. I don't know. You know, whatever it is. When we're Christians, regardless of those differences, we energise each other. 
We encourage one another. You could drive a Ford and I will still love you. Yeah? As five people walk out the church. <laughs> you know, Hebrews 10, 25 tells us clearly not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. When you and I meet together, when our spirits connect, joy is released. Encouragement's given. I mean, if you're feeling down, catch up with a brother or sister. If your husband or wife's not doing it for you, your partner at the time, catch up with a brother or sister. Because let's face it, familiarity can breed some contempt at times and you can rub each other up the wrong way. So go find, go to someone else's house. If they're not happy about you being there, remind them that Jesus would never turn you away. Come on. This is where someone should yell, Preach it, brother! Yeah, come on. Like, get with one another. God encourages us to get together as much as he can. He knows how vital it is for you and I. The, the thing that when Mel and I were away and the boys, we, had a, we really did have a beautiful time together, but we missed this. When we got back, we, we went to the Gold Coast. It was the first time our family actually went to a holiday together where we didn't drive. We've never done that, ever. Like Samuel's 16. We've never done that. So we get to Coolangatta, we have this beautiful time, we fly back in. I swear we're home for an hour. Samuel wants a lift to the church so he can come up and play the keys and play his guitar because he missed this. Yeah? We should be missing the house. We just should be. We should be missing each other. We missed family. I, I missed catching up with people. I missed having a coffee and sitting and chewing the fat and talking about football. Oh, God, yeah? I missed that. You and I, it's vital for us to spend time together, amen? I know that when Ross spoke the other, the other week, he was talking about how sometimes the enemy can attack. I'll tell you what happens in life when the enemy attacks. The enemy attacks and so people withdraw. They naturally withdraw because they just want to get right. And then when I'm right, I'll come back out into the light. The problem is, though, the Bible says that you have to bring the darkness to the light so that the enemy can flee. So sometimes in your misery, you actually need to step out of the darkness and get with a brother or sister so that God can do a work in your life. Yeah? And sometimes it just needs us to spend time with someone, not even talking about the circumstance, just being with somebody else of the same spirit. Yeah? And God does what he has to do through his spirit. Amen? Don't wait to be invited. You know what happens when you wait to be invited? Why don't they invite me? What about me? It isn't fair. I'd like to go to their place for a lamb roast too. Invite me. What about me? Me, 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 me. That's what we do. We all do it. All of us. Yeah. Sometimes we've just got to invite other people. Ring them up. Be bold. Brother, I want a coffee. I'm cash strapped. You're shouting. Where do you want to meet? <laughs> they can only say, listen, I've got no money. Just come to my place and I'll make you an instant. And you go, listen, I'm looking for someone else. Whatever it might be. Whatever it might be, it doesn't matter, but, but make an effort to see one another. Oh, they live too far away. They're in Magpie, Enfield, Napoleon, Brown Hill, Wendaree. He, I'm going to let you in on a secret. We're in Ballarat. Nothing's more than 10 minutes away. This is not Melbourne. Right? Make an effort. Go and visit someone. Say good day. Say hi. I mean, you know, that's why... I don't want to harp on friendship groups, but that's why we have friendship groups. Friendship groups. Friendship groups. To build friendship. To build friends. It's in that place where together we wrestle out the mysteries of God. Yeah? I'm telling you, I have learnt more in a friendship group than what I did in my four years of Bible college, my other two years of leadership. But all the study, I have learnt more and more beneficial things for living out the faith in friendship groups than what I have in those places. Because sometimes it's not even about what you receive, it's what you can give because you don't know what you're about to impart. Yeah? Like the, I've got a whole acronym for friends. 
I'm going to share it with you because I, I, I've shared it probably about 10 years ago. People forget. Why do we call them friendship groups and not connect groups? Because connect groups is a really lame name. Why don't we call them Bible studies? Well, because young people, millennials, don't want to go to a Bible study you know, unless they're really conservative and go to a Presbyterian church. Yeah, right? We, we want something that's more up, up to date and captures who we are as a family. So they're friendship groups. Friends. What's the F stand for? We build friendships through fellowship. Cool? That's easy, yeah? Good. What's the R for? This is the place. That's the space where relationships blossom. I've got no friends. Are you in friendship group? I can't go out another night of the week. Bubble, no deal. Now, I understand if you work night shift or you get up at 3am, hey, not everyone can make it, but certainly over 52 weeks, you can squeeze one in, sacrifice something for Jesus. It's not for Jesus, it's just for the church, it's for the group. No, it's not. It's for your spirit and the spirit of those that are in the group. Because we're family. Together we're family. What's the I for? Involved. It's where we get involved. It's where we inspire other people. The E is for encouragement. We encourage each other. We equip each other to live this life together. Because I'm telling you, you can't live it apart. I can be a Christian without going to church. Great. That's fantastic. Good luck. Good on you. Let's, let's watch how, you, you, how, how much your kids worship God when you're at home without family around you to support you. True, that's my honest, heartfelt belief. You want your kids to grow up in the Lord? At least, at the very least, they still have to make a decision. But at the very least, get them involved. Help them to be inspired in the things of God. At least then you can say, hey, Lord, now I leave them at your feet. I've done all that I can. Yeah? But don't give them a reason not to go because you can't. That's my hobby horse. You know, the N... Friendship groups are where you're nurtured. The D, it's where we're discipled. And the S, no matter the circumstance, no matter the attack, no matter the season, we will now be, because you've been in that friendship group, you'll, you'll actually have strength. A strength to face every battle. I guarantee you, people that are involved in groups often are the ones that have the, the, the greatest mainstay, the longevity. Those that aren't are those that slowly over time seem to filter away for whatever reason. They're just stats. My whole thing is about, if we're family, let's do family together. Yeah, I was away for four weeks. I missed family. Like, I missed family. So I want to remind us today about, yes, we're part of a family, but who's this, who's this God? Who's this Father? Like, who, who today we celebrate his triumphant entry, but we're about to celebrate his death. We're about to celebrate his resurrection. Who is he? Because sometimes we have to break the myths of what we believe because of what we experience. You know, who, who is he? And, and, and actually, who isn't he? Who isn't God? You know, what, he, what is he not like? You know, I've been, over the four weeks, I've recently been pondering on God, I guess meditating, if you will, on his love and his character. And, and I can't help, I know I'm Italian, I know I'm emotional, but I can't help but get swept away sometimes in our worship because of the songs, the lyrics. The lyrics just for me hit home. You know, like when we sing gratitude, it's like, you know, so all I have is just one, you know, it's just one trick or whatever the word is, you know, to, to, to lift up my hands and pray. Man, that, that's, that's, I've got nothing else. I might be the pastor of the church, but for me, when I'm singing those songs, I'm, just, I'm like you and I. You know, we're the same together. There's nothing special about me. And when I'm with God, I'm like, God, there is nothing, nothing special about me. Why would you still send your son for me? Why would you do that? And you know what? I don't want an answer to that question. I want to live in the mystery of that question. Because the, the reality is there's a power in the, that unanswered question. Why would you do that? Because I love you. Why would you do that? Because I chose you. But why? Because. So then when we sing songs like, all I have is this. That's all I've got. Yeah? Man, anything else is just a parlor trick. Anything else is just bells and whistles. 
I've got nothing else. And for me, you and I, we should be on the same page. I mean, God, I've got nothing else. Why would you speak to me so clearly? Why have you given me this wonderful gift? Thank you that you have. Look, I'm not saying live in a sense of unworthiness. We are unworthy, but he has now made us worthy. But we have to live in, in, in that tension of, I'm not worthy. But for whatever reason, he, he, he's found me of worth. For whatever reason, I was separated from him, but for whatever reason, he, he would sacrifice his son to bring me into his family. Now I'm a child, so I, I'm not going to live as an orphan. I, I'm going to live as a child. Yeah. It's that tension of saying, I'm not worthy of the position that you've given me, but thank you. But thank you. I'm going to live in that because you've created that space for me. Amen? Now, I've been thinking about who, who is he to me? Who is he to us? Who our father is? You know, and it's important for you and I to do that because we often filter what God's like. Don't, don't we filter God through the experiences of life? What we go through? You know, people that have had a difficult upbringing, a tough, tough, you know, rigid sort of father, they struggle to picture a living God. So they've already placed a filter over God because of their life experience. We all do that. But we have to stop doing that. We've got to stop filtering God through our own culture, our own value system. We've got to stop doing it because of the way that we were brought up. You know, we've got to stop that. Some people find God really easy to believe in because they've had an easy life. Others find God really difficult to believe in because they've had a really painful and hard life. Stop filtering your perception and belief of God through what you've been through. Because God is good regardless of what side of the scale you stand on. Amen? And this week, this month, is a picture of how good he is. You know, let's remind ourselves today, you know, as we get ready to celebrate his death, but next week, I'm letting you know in advance, next week I'm, I've decided that I'm going to have a panel of four people and we're going to talk about God, what Good Friday is, what his death means to that person. Here's the other thing I'm going to surprise you with. I've not asked anyone yet. <laughs> so I can't even tell you who it's going to be. But I figure, you know what? Let's hear from people. Let's find out at their core what that means to them. Oh, it means that he died for me, gave me a second chance. Yeah, good answer. Now let's get to the real stuff. Let's get down and dirty. Let's find out what it really means. So I figure that's what we're going to try on Good Friday. Maybe over the next couple of days I should ring people and give them an option to prepare. Maybe being not prepared is a good thing. Who knows? Maybe I use it as a way to get people that don't normally come to church, get them to come to church. I noticed you haven't been here the last month. Hey, I was thinking, could you do this for me? I wasn't going to come, but if you're asking, I will. All right, then. <laughs> well, let's remind ourselves today that God's not angry with us. People think he's an angry God. They read the Old Testament, they think he's an angry God. Often people can think that because their dads were angry or their mums or uncles or aunties were angry. But God's not like that. Abba, what Psalm 145 verse 8 says, The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He's slow to anger and rich in love. So you're not sick because he's punishing you. Yeah, You're not going through a trial because he's angry with you. That's not who our God is. If you're sick in your body, if you're struggling in your mental health, let me say, do you know why you're, you're suffering in that area? It's not because of the sins of the past. It's because life sucks. It's because it throws lemons at you. And lemons are bitter. But how we posture ourselves and walk, walk through that with the Lord, that shows our spirit. That shows where God's involved. God's not easily angry. And, and quick to anger, he's rich in love, totally rich in love. You know, people can so often believe that, that, that God's not interested in their lives, but God's interested in every detail of our lives, every detail. Like I'm telling you, every detail. He's omnipresent, isn't he? Yeah, and so that, that means if he's a God that, that isn't interested, how, how can he not be interested when he's when he's present all the time in everything. You, you've got to understand everything. Because some people don't get everything. 
you go to the toilet because you've got a pain in your gut and it's not happening for you and you have the worst half an hour of your life. Picture that, if you will. Just to wake everyone up, right? He's interested in that. He's interested that you're in pain. You got out of the car, you slammed the door, and caught your finger. He's interested in that. The men, you're shaving, and you cut yourself. He's interested in that. For the kid, for the child, for the teenager that looks at a girl and thinks, wow, she's, she's all right. He's interested in that. He's interested in everything. He's interested. He's not disinterested. He's not like you and I. Yeah, Mel will t- speak to my wife. You ever had a conversation with someone? Mel says sometimes, you're here, but you're not here. Like, really? Really? Well, where do you think I am? I'm right here. She goes, you're not listening. I go, I am listening, and I recite everything she says, right? She goes, but you haven't heard me. Oh, flipping heck. Like, I can't get out of this no matter what I am. God's not like that. He's totally in tune all the time. Even when you complain about your husband, your wife, your child, it doesn't matter. You complain about your washing machine, you kick it because it's spilt all on it. No. He's interested. He's interested when you open up your bill and you just, you gasp because you think, oh, wow. When's the, oh, lucky. The due date, I should be able to have that money by then. He's interested. He's interested in you and I. He's interested. You don't have to be preaching on a pulpit, sitting on a green chair, wearing a collar for God to be interested in you. You just have to be a child of God that loves him and he's interested in you. He was interested, in fact, loved you even before you knew him. Well, let's set that right today, amen? God is so interested in us, in humanity, that he set for, for me, for our church, for our leadership. For, we're Family Life Church. Our vision is to be a safe place or a safe haven for all people to come and be restored in that safety so then in their restoration they then are revealed as sons and daughters of the living God living an abundant life for his glory. He's so interested. He wants the broken. I'm telling you that there are churches in Australia and across the world that don't want the broken. Because they're messy and they're smelly and they look funny and they talk weird and they're super spiro. Or they do yoga or they did this and they followed a thousand Hindu gods and they chased this up and they did that. God's interested in them because he loves them as he loves us and he set us apart to be a place where they can be restored and revealed for his glory. And he's interested. And when you're going through a tough time, it's not your tough time alone. It's not. Don't be so selfish. Man, don't be selfish when you're going through difficulty. He's interested. And so he's placed you in a family so that someone can come alongside you and help you through that season. Don't be so selfish that you keep it to yourself. Don't do that. Don't worry about shame because if shame still exists, the enemy's got a hold. And if someone tries to make you feel ashamed, they don't know the Lord. Because in this house, you should be accepted. You should know that you belong. Regardless of where you're at and what you're going through or the journey or the life that you live, you belong. It's God's interested in you. He loves you. He loves us. And Father wants to restore his children back into family. You know, that tells me this. God's not distant. Man, he's not distant. He's not a faraway God, is he? But let's, be, let's, let's now step into the, let's be truthful, honest and transparent. Who occasionally has felt like, in seasons of their life, that God is far, far away? All of us. Come on, if we're to be real, all of us. Yet he's not far away. He's not living high in the sky somewhere, up on a mountain where we can't reach him, uninterested in the circumstances of life. He is up close and personal. That's the God that we love, that we serve. He's with us every day, in every moment, in every situation, all the time. You get upset, 
you freak out, you yell, you react. He is interested in that because he wants to work with you through that. What triggered you there, my son, my daughter? Let's work on that together. You're better than that. You're a child of God. He doesn't condemn. That's not who he is. He's interested in absolutely everything. He cares deeply. Someone today has to hear that he cares deeply. Maybe it's for someone at home. He cares deeply. Stop questioning God's love for you because of where you find yourself. Sometimes life's just tough. Sometimes we make a decision that we wouldn't make if we weren't in that situation. God doesn't love you less because you falter, because you fall. I didn't love my children less because they fell off their bike. I did consider loving them less when they kicked a soccer ball instead of a football. But no, no, seriously though. right? God, God, God's there all the time to pick you up, to restore you, to love on you. Man, he's, he's present in every area of your life. Malcolm, Pam, let's pick on people. Every time you've been into hospital, you've had your own worries and concerns, and Pam's been praying, but we can't help but worry. We're humans. You know what? God's there because he's interested. When you, Rob, when you went in and Anna was praying, there's fear there. Yes, we trust in God. When you come out the other side, it's easy to say, yeah, God was there. But in the moment, God's there. You know, when Nick was in hospital, worried that they could amputate his leg because of a stupid bacteria out of a dam at his own house that he's been in probably hundreds of times. God was there. He's interested in that right there, then. In our doubts and in our confusion, when we're struggling to say, God, where are you in this? You know, when John, I love John, when John goes to bed knowing that his wife is in the home because the way that dementia works, yeah? God knows that. God's with him. God's interested. Man, he doesn't leave us because life gets tough. His love doesn't change because life gets tough. He's real and he's there all the time. He cares about how we're tra travelling in life. He cares about that stuff. That's why Luke chapter 12, verses 6 and 7, the message translation says, what's the price of two or three pet canaries? Some loose change, right? But God never overlooks a single one and he pays even greater attention to you down to the last detail, even numbering the hairs on your head. I love my kids. I love what they do. I'm interested in everything that they do. I, I care about the friends that they have. I care about the sports that they play, their physical health, their emotional health, their spiritual health. I care about those things. I, I care about who they spend time with. If they spend time with me, I care about those things. I, I care about if they're flourishing at school or flourishing at work. I care about those things. But as much as I would say I would take a bullet for them, and I believe that I would, I've never counted the hairs on their head. Ever. I don't know how many hairs on their head. Even those of you that are losing your hair, there's still somewhere some hair on your face. God knows it. Even if he only has to count one. He still knows it. Do you know why that scripture's there? In my personal opinion... He shares this scripture with us so that we would know how much he cares. Because a canary for me is just slightly smaller than, you know, what are those little birds called? No, they sort of run around on the floor that I like to eat. Quail. Canary's only like two quails. I'd go as far as to say, one day before I pass away, I want to taste panda, I want to taste koala, and I want to taste canary. Right? I want to see if it tastes like a quail. But even those little birds, yeah, God knows them. I figure if we can eat emu and crocodile, we may as well go to the panda and koala. You know, it could be tough though. Slow cooker, that's all right. He cares. God cares about you and I. He cares. Man, with, with Melanie and I, he has been there with every up and every down. 
God has been there for every disagreement and every argument. He's been there for every victory. He's been there in the early days with every miscarriage. God was always there. He was never distant. He was always there. And he's there for each and every one of us, for every failure, every success. He's there. He's not far away. He gets sacked at work. He's interested. He cares. He's there. God's not distant. He's up close and personal. You know, God's not disengaged. That means that Abba actually pays attention to us. Like he pays attention to us. You know, I could catch up with you in a cafe somewhere and, and I see things. I, I, I'm, I observe things. I observe all sorts of things. I can tell you if overnight you coloured your hair. I can tell you if your shoes need to be polished. I can tell you the brand of shoes that you walked in with. You know, ask my wife. Yeah, I'll tell you when people are, are engaged in conversation, not engaged, if they like each other, don't like each other, if they should shave, not shave, if they smell, don't smell, sometimes what even, even the, the aftershave they wear, what the smell, the scent is. I observe things all the time. So when we go to a restaurant, if there's an opportunity for a chair to face the wall, that's where Mel puts me. Because otherwise, if I'm looking at her, she knows my eyes are just ev they're everywhere. They're seeing everything. We were at a cafe in Ocean Grove, and I don't... So it's really easy to make a good coffee, yeah? I think we make good coffee here, don't we, boys? Yeah? Yeah. I went to a cafe. I spent $4.50 for a coffee that really I should have asked them to make it 27 times over. It was so bad. But while I was sitting there having this... You've got to speak to Mel. My face was contorting. It was like someone was stabbing me with a knife. At every sip, it was like... Anyway, as I'm there in this cafe, I'm trying to pay attention to my wife. We're on holidays. I go, Mel, can you see that? She goes, why? I go, they've got their sort of bain-marie where they've got some... They, it was a, a deli-type place where they had all these cured meats. And on the other side of the glass, where you slide the glass to go in, there's a cleaning bottle. I go, can you see that? She goes, what? I go, a cleaning bottle. She goes, so? I go, it's next to where they serve the food. And just have a look. Then there's the glasses, and then there's three serviettes. And did you notice on the other bain-marie? She's making her coffee here. The bain-marie's behind her, and she's turning around to knock the coffee out right where she opens it up to get the cakes. Are these people for real? They expect this coffee shop to work. How can they? And did you see the boxes up on the shelf? Why have they got those boxes up on the shelf? Why are they putting... They, like when you walk into a cafe, I don't want to see someone's storeroom and then they've got these other things and look, why are they empty? Why is that there? Why they? And Mel's just looking at me. She goes, love, that's enough now. You, you've overloaded me. <laughs> right? I observe things. I do it at your homes. I just don't verbalise it. Right? I just see stuff. I can't help it. It's, it's who I am. But you know what? God's like that with us, not to perfect us. It's just that he's interested in all, every part of our life. He's engaged, totally engaged. He would have noticed that stuff, but being totally with Mel, having a conversation where she could have walked out and thought, oh, geez, I love my husband. I'm sure she walked out thinking, well, that was the wrong cafe. <laughs> you should have picked the wall seat, you know. I do it purposely. I try to walk in now and get to a chair before she does so that I can face everybody else. God's not disengaged. He, when you say something, he hears it. Yeah? When, when, you, when you're sharing your heart, something that's important to you, he's listening. He's always listening. You've got to hear me. Even when you think God doesn't hear, he doesn't speak. Oh, yes, he does speak. We just haven't been able to, you haven't been able to, I haven't been able to understand and learn how he speaks because God doesn't stop speaking. He does not stop speaking. He didn't just speak then. And not now. He still speaks. Some of us just have to train our senses in hearing him. Yeah, God always, he always speaks. And when you're sharing something important, he's listening and he's responding all the time. He doesn't fail like I fail with Melanie. He's better than that. He's a good, good father all the time. And when you spend time with him, he's totally and completely with you. Chris Valadon from Bethel Church preached a brilliant message on being present, just being present in the moment. And God actually spoke to him about being present when he was with people. So I do, I do my best. I caught up with a brother um, just yesterday for a coffee. We went for a coffee. And I found myself at one point while we were having a coffee just looking around. 
you know, just checking it out, looking at the bain-marie behind me, the people at different tables, what they were leaving on their plates, if the carpet needed a vacuum, all that sort of stuff. You know, should they probably change these tables? They're getting a bit worn now. I just I look at everything. I, I looked at the, the actual menu, and as I'm turning these pages, they've got the paper inside the plastic. Yeah, the, no one's wiped those plastic things for, forever. And I'm scratching it with my bitten nails, thinking, come on, guys, this is a restaurant. You should get better than that. And then I had this voice in my head, present, be present. Close the menu with a sad look. Yes, brother. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, because I had to be present. God's always present. He doesn't have to force himself to do it. So he's with you. You know, he goes on to share that often he would spend time with people but when he was with people, he was ready thinking about what he had to do when he finished, when he was on the way home or on the way to work. You know, we can do that, but God doesn't do that to us. He's present. He's always present. Because the truth is that sometimes, and this is why it's important to know that he's present, because who's ever felt unnoticed? Yeah? Come on. Yeah. Some people can't even lift up a hand. It's not that hard. Look, you know, like flipping heck. You know, sometimes we feel unnoticed. Sometimes we feel neglected. Sometimes we feel rejected. Sometimes that leads to feeling unloved. So we need to know that God, one, he's not distant, and two, he's not disengaged. He's up close and personal, and he's interested, engaged in our lives. So if we know that, then we can never feel unimportant. We can never feel neglected. We can never feel unloved or unwanted. Because it doesn't matter what happens out there or what people do to us, but the God that actually makes us alive in the Spirit wants to be with us. I mean, that's a celebration, isn't it? You guys are so quiet. So, what's happened in four weeks? People lost their voices. Like, yeah, can, you know what? Just, just to break the monotony, can people clap? Let me see if hands still work. Is that cool? Good. Hands still work. I love that. But God, 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 he's, he's in every moment and, and he's with us all the way. He directs us if we listen to him. You know, Proverbs 16.9, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. can't direct your steps if you don't think you hear him. Yeah? can't direct your steps if you actually don't stop and realise that he is engaged right now with you. Though you may not feel it, he's engaged staring into your soul, having a conversation with you. Yeah, amen. You know, I love that passage of Scripture because it means we don't have to have it all figured out. We, we don't have to have all the answers. I mean, isn't that good? You don't have to have the answers. You're going in for an operation, you don't have to have the answers. And you know what? We don't want to go into a, a, some surgery or operation and end up on the other side of that and our partner has to wave as we're going up to heaven. As we're going up to heaven, we're totally excited, but they're not. You know, I've just lost my partner. The point is, though, we don't have to worry about that. We should just be focused on him. He's got it. He's interested where you're at. He knows where your wife and your husband and your partner and your friend, he knows what will happen. He knows every situation. He knows the circumstances. Yeah, he's written a book. He's read it from start to finish. We might be in the middle pages, but he knows how things end. Trust him. We have to trust him. You know, he's our father. He'll give us ideas. You know, I just love it. He doesn't lord things over us. He's just truly present. He's just remarkably smart. Smarter than any of us, isn't he? Yeah? Wiser, more intelligent, more creative. No one, no one knows more than God. No one's more capable than God. No one's more capable to give life direction than God. Because as our vision says, he wants to restore us, to reveal us for his glory. Amen? You know, here's a thought. God is invested in us. This, I, I had this message. I finished it off last night, and this morning this thought came to me. He's invested in us. People invest money to get a return on their investment, don't they? So God invests his son and he gets you and I as a return. Now, you can have a bad investment, but God, God doesn't have a bad investment. A good investment 
is when you put a hundred bucks in, you get a thousand bucks out. You put a thousand bucks in, you get ten thousand out. You put ten thousand in, you get a million out. Yeah. God invests His Son, and He gets you. Gets you, Bree. Gets you, Samuel. Gets us. That's really hard for our fickle, human, broken, fallen minds to fully comprehend. But he invested Jesus to get us back. Here's a thought from that, continuing from that. We read this all the time. As Christians, we read this. The kingdom of heaven is like yeah, treasure hidden in the field. When a man found it, he hid it again. Then, he, then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and he bought the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and he bought it. When we read that, we rightly read it to say, well, that's what it's like with the kingdom. And we discover what it's, what it's like. No matter, we, we will do anything to get it. We will sell everything we have to get that pearl a great price, to get a hold of God. But could it be that it also has, because God's not limited to the way that we think, could it have a different meaning? That God invested everything he had, his son Jesus, to get the pearl of great price, that's you? Oh, that, that's, that's not right because it's talking about the kingdom of heaven. Oh, really? Well, what's the kingdom of heaven full of? Children of God, isn't it? Us. Could it be that he so invested, that he sold everything he had in Jesus to get the pearl? Man, this is for someone. And that pearl is you? That field is you. The pearl of great price. Yes, we know it's Jesus. We know it's the kingdom. But could it be that he so invested in us that he was prepared to sell everything to get you? Because it says, this is the kingdom of God is like. What's the kingdom of God like? You and me. Believers. Worshipping God. Walking in the spirit. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. Could it be that he's so invested and yet sometimes the enemy so gets into our thinking and we throw pity parties at home? The enemy attacks and he comes against us and we throw a pity party at home because we don't know how to break through or break free and all that it requires is for us to step into him, step into him with those that are around us. The gates of hell shall not prevail. There is no attack. And I am very mindful the words that I speak can come back and some. There is no attack of the enemy that can defeat you. There is no attack of the enemy that can overpower you. Because he has paid everything for you and he's made your spirit alive. And I am so over time, I'm certainly back. Um, yeah, I've got to, got to stop. I thought I had like 10 minutes to go, but no, no, I'm 10 minutes over. Um, He's so invested in us that everything, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, raised us. There is no attack of the enemy that can overcome you. Oh, the enemy! He's had a go. Okay, beautiful. We need to acknowledge it. Why? Because once we acknowledge it, we can pray against it. Once we pray against it, then we leave it, leave it for him. Man, I don't need to see a cat behind every curtain. You know, don't need to. Oh, that person's possessed by a, a devil. I remember praying for someone once and, you know, because if you're in a sort of Pentecostal church from time to time, this will happen. And they were squirming on the floor. You ever seen that? We're on the floor and they're all, you know, they, it's good fun. It's really, it's great. You've got to enjoy the thing when God's moving, right? And this person's like, ah, oh, they're, you know, like all over the floor, you know, some, some demonic stuff was happening all over them. And so I go to pray for them. And someone walked up to me and said, do you know what the name of that, that spirit is? I don't really care. I know the name of Jesus. Thank you. Bye. We don't, I don't need to know. I don't want to know. Don't really care if your name's Legion or if it's Roger. But in Jesus' name, get out. I only got to know his name. You and I, can we all stand? Because like I said, I'm over time. Man, I had all this other stuff to talk about. Maybe another day. Jesus' life was all about giving us life. Jesus' life was all about bringing us back into family. Jesus' life was all about you and I connecting in brothers as brothers and sisters so that we can encourage and empower each other and help each other walk this life together. You're not supposed to do it alone. We're supposed to do it together in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. So, I want to 
I would like to walk into a season for me. My desire, my heart is for this sense of family within this house to grow. Yeah? Not some cultish weird stuff, right? But, you know, just a sense of family where we can go and I can sit with a brother and, mate, you know, we can have a coffee and if I have to, I can put my hand on his thing and go, dude, it'll be okay. It'll be fine. You know, I can go up to another brother and I can say, I can't imagine what it would be like for you right now, but I love you and I'm there if you need me. Yeah? We need to be able to do that for people, don't we? Oh, come on. We changed the name to Family Life Church for a reason. Mount Clear Church of what? Church of Christ. We are a church of Christ. Not because we're a denomination, but because we're a church that represents Jesus. Amen? Amen. So let's be a people that love. Let's be a people that step into family. Let's be a people that are there for one another. Let's be a people that at times sacrifice our own comfort for those that are around us in Jesus' name. Yeah? And when it comes time to worship, lay everything aside and just press into him. Yeah, tonight we've got overflow. Sunday mornings, we have such a beautiful presence of God. Don't worry about what anyone else is going to say or think. Don't worry about the seats. Step into the aisle. Come to the front. Who cares? Kneel down if you have to. Raise your hands if you have to. Lay down. Do whatever you need to do to position yourself to worship the King of all kings because he's worth. I mean, when, I, when the time comes, for me to go home, the one thing I'd be happy for my kids to put on my tombstone would be, he loved God. He loved God. Let's be a people that loves God in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God, for the extra 10 minutes. God, I thank you, Lord, for the time today. God, I thank you for family. I thank you for these people. I thank you for those that are watching at home. And God, I just thank you for who you are. You're a God that's interested, Father. You're a God that's engaged. Father, you're a God that is totally invested in our lives. Lord, you're not selfish. You're the opposite of selfish. You are selfless. And God, I thank you that you demonstrate that. Lord, in this week, coming to the cross, you are totally selfless. And God, this day we give you all the glory. Father, this day we give you all the praise. We tell you, Lord, from the bottom of our hearts, from our innermost being, we love you and we want more of you. Not because we don't have you, but you're immeasurable. And so, God, I want some of that, Lord, that measure <laughs> that I can't measure, Lord. Move the tent pegs of my heart that more of you would flow through us all, that we would truly be your hands, your feet and your mouthpiece extended to a dying world that doesn't know you. I thank you, God, that we can love people from all walks of life, no matter how broken, because your heart is to bring them into a family where they can be safe, where they can be restored and revealed for your glory. And so in this place, we give you all the glory, Lord God, and we say thank you, thank you, and amen. Amen. Thanks, church.